my name is deepak sharma and i'm a professional speaker public speaking and communication coach and we are bringing to you professional speakers from all over the world to help you realize your potential and understand from their journey how they have reached where they are today and hello friends welcome back today we have with us a dynamic award winning storyteller a comedian a motivational speaker huffington post contributor and a cast member of the fashion hero television show airing on amazon prime today we have with us the one and only kelly swenson yes she has been a keynote speaker to many big conferences including toastmasters international conference kelly is wacky wit and powerful stories have charmed hearts and tickled funny bones for the last 15 years kelly teaches people how she does it by sharing what she has learned about connecting and engaging to have more influence in business through the use of one tool and that is called strategic story telling please welcome with me none other than kali swenson so welcome kali to this show call Wonderful. It's so nice to be here. And hello to everybody, fellow Toastmasters, fellow speakers, fellow members of GSF. I'm just so excited to be here and share this time with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Kelly. Kelly, we are going to talk about a lot of things today, but I think before we get into all the nitty gritty of your specialized subject called storytelling, I would like to know, and rather our audience would like to know a little bit about your journey in professional speaking okay that's a hard question to ask a speaker but uh my journey was unconventional untradition untraditional i didn't plan on doing this this was not i didn't go to school to do it i have always been a storyteller and a writer and and i thought the stories were just for me they were stories i wrote about people around me and i made up an imaginary town and i just i loved reading i loved writing and I never thought it would be anything my ambition was to get married and have children <laughs> and so i mean right I, that was supposed to be the plan and i i went to college to to get an education i wasn't sure what i wanted to do uh what who i wanted to be um and I, so i became an english major um and read a lot of literature and books and still didn't know what i wanted to do and then after college i took a class when i was still single Mm-hmm. held over at a community college it was it was it was a writing class and i went oh i want to take that uh just because i love to write and it was a bunch of teachers and the teachers were all sitting around they were taking it for some sort of a continuing education credit mm-hmm. and we had to read our stories now was it used to really reading them aloud to people other than you know at family reunions where you know your mother and aunts love everything you do <laughs> and i read it in class and the people in the class said wow your story is good but the way you tell it is even better will you come to our school and tell stories to the children we'll pay you well wow. that was magic to me i mean and i thought you're going to pay me to come tell stories and so long story short i started telling stories in schools i didn't like it because as a writer an adult can really appreciate what you've put into the art and the words but kids not so much they're like that's great what you got next but in one of those classrooms there was a teacher sitting in the back and i always loved to tell stories in schools because i would wait and watch the teachers who were sitting around the 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 edge of the room stop their lesson plans and look up because they were they understood the humor and they understood the characters and the ordinary people and one of them was an art teacher and she said you are a storyteller And Deepak I tumbled into this world I did not even 
know existed yeah. of storytellers. Now, there've always been storytellers since the beginning of time, mm -hmm. but an, an association of a guild of following of people who just love to tell stories. And I went, that's what I want to be. And so I began to go, well, how do you do that? Nobody knew where to put me. Um, it, it was a very weird thing. I was funny, but you can't put me in a comedy club. It's too clean. And so long story short, I began this journey of figuring out what to do with this gift that I had, which is just to tell these stories, make people laugh, make them feel something, make all the stories while they were about ordinary people. There was always a theme of hope and encouragement and finding beautiful in ordinary situations. So I met a speaker 15, 16 years ago named Jeannie Robertson. And she was in one of my programs where I was a storyteller telling my little stories. And she said, you need to be a speaker. That's where you can go and take your gift to this world. That's, that's the world that is set up to receive what you can do and to pay you. She said, you have to rebrand. You got to figure out your message. It was a big, really colossal journey of trying to figure out how to be an artist in a business world. But what happened over those 16 years was that I came in as this gift of storytelling. And as I learned to be a speaker, speakers would watch me and my stories and they say, wait, how are you doing that? And I would look at speaker speeches and I'd say, why aren't you telling more stories or better stories? And so it was kind of like the marriage of, you know, <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter, whatever, mm -hmm. um, where I began to teach people how to do that. And it's hard. And I promise I'm almost finished. It's hard to teach an art form when it just comes naturally to you, you know, like, like a musician, but over the years, as I helped more people and looked at their stories and well, how do we tell it like they would? And well, what really makes a good story? I began to see patterns. I began to see, wait a minute, if we all have these basics, um, I began to see that you can take an art and find a sense of structure and a formula to it. And so uh, that's what brought me to where I am today on some stages, I'm still that woman telling stories and pinch me, I can't believe I'm here. And then other days I'm sitting behind the stage with a group of people who all wanna do it. And I, I, I have the, the lovely gift of being an artist who also knows how to teach my art. So that's where we are today. Who knows where I'll be 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will be impacting many more lives. No. Yes, so I can only hope. It means what you just said, storytelling, you said that it is, has come from within, but what I'm hearing from you, storytelling is not only an art, it is a process. Anybody can learn? Yes. And that was what I had to learn myself about story. The main thing about story that speakers need to know is that st telling stories for entertainment is one thing stories for novels or for movie, or there are a lot of overlaps. But what I began to study was how to use stories strategically, not just to make someone laugh or make them feel something, but to persuade them, to bring them to a logical conclusion, to make a connection and impact them and have an emotional sense of persuasion. And that's where I began to see story in a new way. And I'll often tell people, we're not working on stories just to go write a book of short stories or for a comedy show. We are working on stories to change someone's mind, to sit in front of a group of, of your customers and convince them that you have something they need to hear. This is the, what I call the beautiful place where the art of story meets the business of persuasion. So I don't look at a lot of things you would look at if you were studying story for literary purposes. I look at how do we use stories strategically in business to convince that listener of our message of whatever, and we have, you know, tons of messages. So that's where it, it sort of changes uh, when it comes to studying story for me anyway. I uh, started learning storytelling, I think five years back. And I also teach a bit of storytelling in my programs nowadays. When we 
I, I have this always this question being asked and I want to know your perspective on this, especially when people are uh, in Toastmasters and writing speeches, especially somebody who wants to deliver a speech somewhere. They always ask this question, where to find stories? Uh, you're right. It's, it's a, it, it, I get asked that the most as well. And it's interesting because one tend, and I, I know that feeling. I know what that's like because when I used to write, it was just at the mercy of my muse. I would write with about whatever character happened to tap on my shoulder. But when you're a speaker and you're writing presentations and speeches, you don't get to, you can't just sit there and wait. You have a reason and a purpose for the story. So I get it. I know what it's like. And you are going to come to a beautiful place where you'll go from not knowing where stories are to, oh my word, they're everywhere. How in the world do I pick? But let me give you just a few uh, tips on how to find stories. Sure. The first thing I would do is say, look at your presentation or look at whatever message you have for somebody. Most of us in some sort of form of communication, whether it be as leaders or presenters or salespeople, we have something we want to convey to someone else. Lessons, if you will, talking points, many of them. But often I'll say, take a look at your presentation and tell me something What's a talking point you want to give that audience? What's the lesson for that audience? Maybe for a financial planner, it's save your money now. Uh, don't wait. You'll be sorry. Okay. If that's the lesson you want the audience to know, then I will ask them where in your life or in someone else's life that you saw, did someone not follow that advice and the payoff was high? Or where was there an example in your life or someone else's where someone, well, I forgot now what I said, but did the opposite and the payoff was high. Oh. You've got a story. All story is, is a real life illustration of the point you're trying to make. You're just putting a human face on that message. Um, and the why, I don't count my ums, Toastmasters. I know you're doing it. Um, <laughs> I'm still working on it. The why behind story is as important as any question you ask about story. So I would urge you, uh, not just you Deepak, but anybody listening to please go study why stories work and what it's doing to someone's brain. And you will feel less pressure about how you put it together because you will understand that it's, I think it's far more simple than people think. But that's one way to come up with stories. Another way is to look at, I often it's a little bit morbid, but I'll tell people, let's say I've got a motivational speaker or somebody who just wants to encourage and they just don't really even necessarily know what their talking points are. They've just got to give an encouraging, inspiring, motivational presentation. And I'll say, okay, I want you to picture, I'll I've often had several do an assignment like this where I'll say, I want you to picture that you, you're dying. I know it sounds awful, but you're dying. And I want you to put on a piece of paper, three things, five things, 10 things that you, you want to leave a message to your child, to your spouse, to your dog, to the world. What would the most important 10 things you would write down or three? You will instantly start writing things that are in your heart as to what you, what really matters most. Absolutely. Now, behind every one of those, there is a story. Absolutely. There is a time you, that is on your list because you had an experience, which is all story is. It's about an experience. That's a real story. Yes, yes. So those are two ways. And then once people start doing that, another thing I've started to do is uh, we, we give people prompts. And it sounds random. Well, Toastmasters would love it, but it sounds random if you're just in business trying to start to write stories. But I'll say, okay, tell me about a time, uh, your first date. Tell me about the biggest mistake you made when you were a child. Tell me, and I often make it around emotions. Tell me about the, the guy who got away or the girl who got away. And I have been amazed when I give people those moments to go back to everybody has a story. So if y'all want to practice with your clubs or your groups, come up with interesting um, questions that will take somebody 
to a moment. And it's often around emotion and milestones. It's very hard if you tell somebody, tell me a story about your life. They're not really sure where to go. But if you say, was there ever a time you were in fear for your life? Then somebody's immediately going to go, yes, I remember exactly. And they'll tell you all about it. Thank you so much. Here, I'm uh, moving down to another question, which is very much related to it. Once we have our stories with us, so how do they craft or curate their real stories, which they want to deliver in, let's say, five to seven minutes or 10 to 15 minutes or in 45 minutes? Sure. Great question. Because you're right, a lot of people have stories that never get anywhere, or they ramble, or you think, wait, what's the point? Or they themselves don't really know where that story's going. The first thing I would say is, Deepak, please be sure to send everybody to kellysfreegift.com. We'll put the link in there because my book is in there and they can have the story formula at no cost. They can download it and they can go deeper into what I'm talking about. And I tell them it's... Kelly's K-E-L-L-Y-S freegift.com and my my story formula book is in there and they I have a page where I really tell them how to put that story together but let me give you an answer today for, for those listening first of all you need to know what the point of the story is what's the lesson you would be surprised how many people including me sometimes when asked they don't really know they know they, they, they want to just tell a story, but they're not really clear on what's the point. Why are you telling me this? What am I supposed to think, feel, or do as a result of hearing this story? So that's the first thing is I would really understand why you're using it. And the second thing I would say is plan it out before you write it. Many of us here in the United States, I don't know what it was like in other countries, but when we were taught to write, it was often with a sense of get out a piece of paper, pick up your pen and tell your story. And you just wrote and hope you landed somewhere. There often wasn't a lot of planning and preparation, uh, putting it together and thinking about the structure first. So a lot of us got behind. We're not used to that. Another thing I would say is every story is about somebody, a person, an experience, somebody who goes through something. There is a a before and an after. It's about a character who has a conflict, a problem, and there's an emotion attached to it. And I'm real big on including emotion in a story because that's where it unlocks places in the brain that makes this more persuasive emotionally. But then there's a res- it's resolved and then there's a motion with that and then there's a victory moment and there's a lesson and I'm saying it fast and quick. And so those of you who are like, wait, I, I, I don't understand. At, at the very least, make your story short, understand what it's about. Tell me what your character, what happened before, what was the problem, how was it solved, and what did you learn? If you do nothing else but but take your story and tell me what that story taught you, and tell me as an audience, why am I telling you this? Because that woman with the mop taught me three things I will never forget. So if you even do that, you will have more structure. Everybody asks me, how long should a story be? And I always say, as long as it needs to. But that's not a good answer because it, in, I can't always make a story as long as it, it needs to be. Mm-hmm. My answer would be try to, now in Toastmasters, you're going to have different rules. But out there in the world, I would say try to make your story five minutes or less because it will force you to get exactly what is important in that story. And it doesn't let you have too many extra things when it's five minutes or less. And let the details, as a friend of mine says, audition themselves back in if it's if it's if it's be really uh critical about what you decide to put in that five minutes i know you didn't ask me that i kind of veered off sorry about that absolutely fine absolutely fine no no this is a great answer i think it is very important for people to understand that how to put these stories and craft these stories together because a story well told and told in less words leaves a long-term impact no and for example, you know, when I was uh, listening to that one small incident that you shared in the recent talk at Toastmasters about that presentation given by those scientists. And uh, when that last scientist comes and talks about that story, that one part of it 
got so ingrained in my mind that it directly relates to my audience whom i've been training for many years in corporates am i right yes yes and in in the peep in the free gift i told you about there is a training video in there that's that everybody can have access to it's 16 minutes but i start with the open and that might have been what you saw i start with that scientist story and that so beautifully illustrates and it's not a fancy story Absolutely. it's it's a story it's just a story about scientists getting up trying to sell and nobody understands them and nobody's paying attention and that is so powerful because when i would tell that story live in front of people not just scientists anybody who feels the anxiety and the frustration of of having something to teach or to sell or to explain that their audience or their listener doesn't understand or or that feeling that they speak a completely different uh, language than the one they're listening or the one who feels like wow i really have a message and i don't think i'm connecting that story is what opens that up at, because they look and they go wow that character and that's the beautiful that's the main thing about story not how well it's constructed not did i choose the the best one i always say don't choose the best one choose the right one for your audience where they can relate to that character and say wait a minute i recognize the problem that they have i feel that way too even though they're in a different job and it's the story and what i love so much and i'll i'll stop rambling about it is when someone tells me a story and when you include an emotion like you say i moved here to this country i didn't understand anybody i felt like i didn't fit in i was lonely um i was insecure whatever your emotions are my brain i can't say this as well as a scientist but this is what what the research has proven my brain not from your plot or your information in the story but from your emotions that you've stated my brain recognizes an emotion and it starts looking through its own database for a time when i felt that way and i'm immediately thrown into my own story you mentioned movement and my whatever the motor cortex lights up you are forcing me to engage in a much deeper way where i am in effect this is the part i love most i'm now standing in my story and yours at the same time wow. and you are walking me through an experience to where when you come to victory and your problem is solved because of this thing you've brought to me this message then i get to experience it too it's like virtual reality isn't that amazing and they say data cannot move people to action it can't and and when you know this when you start to see it and when you read the papers people have done at universities and what not when they've studied it you start to go wait a minute duh this makes sense look at history look at it, it, it's it's storytelling that really moves people and anyway the science says data can't move people to action but story can you can get deeper and truly persuade them in a way that your talking points now talking points are necessary but they don't do the convincing i believe the story is one of your greatest tools to do that so picking up a point a thread from here a lot of people come and tell us that i have done so much of research and collected so much of data which i wanted to present to audience but you are telling us don't present data rather share it in form of stories do you think it has to be combination of both or they need to totally avoid data i'm not telling you to throw away your data because that has its place and it has its moment when it will persuade what i'm telling you is that here's the best way i can put it I believe that we are all sales people. And by that, I mean that all of us have a role in our lives, in our communities, in our churches, in our businesses, wherever we are. We are trying to persuade someone, whether it's to go out on a date with us, to marry us, or a child to clean up his room, or to buy from us or a new leader and please uh follow me with this new vision or right now in this this pandemic time to encourage and inspire people and to bring people through the challenges so i think it makes us all sales people in a sense 
And so if people go, you know what, you're right, we're all salespeople. I look at the world of sales and what do they know about selling? I'm not I'm selling a truth, selling a message, really getting in with that buyer to get their buy-in. And everybody in sales will tell you, it, it's all about relationships. It's all about connection. It's they buy you first. They, they, they're, they're coming in with crossed arms and, and they're at least here, I think in the United States, I don't know if it differs by culture, but people have a sense of not trusting you before they just have a sense of automatically trusting you unless you're four. So, so our first job as an influencer, as a leader, as a salesperson is to connect and engage and to break that barrier down and to become human and to show them they can trust us and to find a way to show them, I understand you. I understand where you're coming from and to form that connection. People buy from people they like, trust, believe, and feel like they know. Now, to some degree, no matter where we live, I believe we've all seen that. We're not going to believe we're not going to buy from the person we don't trust, that we don't believe. And when I look at those words, like, trust, believe, and know, and when I'm thinking as a motivational speaker that I've got to get on the stage in front of a group of strangers who've heard it all and who are might be bitter and, you know, and tell them you need to be better at this, that's my first job is to open up and, and, and come on a common ground with them. And therefore, uh, data cannot do that. That there is a place once they've lowered their arms and you've gotten their buy-in, then there's a place where your data is necessary. I mean, you can't change everybody just because they like you. You don't need to have some data to back it up. But so there's there's work. But I believe when here's a great example. In many cases where we go to, when somebody's coming up to tell me about their business, whether it's some sort of a trade show and they've got five minutes or it's in a Toastmaster meeting and they've got five minutes to tell me about their business. And let's say they make uh, uh, machine equipment. Okay, my mind went to the, to, the, to the pet cremation industry. That's not a good one to go to, but I remember hearing that vendor. It was the pet cremation services, and he made equipment that would aid uh, these facilities to do that. Well, he had five minutes to get up and tell me about, in front of these buyers, to talk about what his company does. And he spent the whole time explaining what his machines do. And, and I, I said to myself, he shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have done that. He should have started with why this work means so much to him personally. And he should have connected to what my pain is personally, found a story that shows he understands what, what, I'm, what problems I have in my business or, and, and what, what the feelings are. He should have just told a story because, and used that time to explain what I call the bigger why behind what you do and why this matters and leave the how Absolutely. for a later conversation. Um, that's kind of one way I can explain it. Story allows you to, it allows you to sell him first, just like the scientist story in that training video that if people want to go watch it, it was the scientist. Nobody listened when they couldn't understand the ingredients and all the words. But, but when the guy said, this is why we created this product. It was, it was for people like my mother, you know, and just, it, it, and then we'll all go follow him for the how later. I, I, that's a rambling way of explaining it. Uh, I apologize, but. That's fine. <laughs> Great. I think uh, what I'm picking up from you here is stories are not only for speakers. Stories are not only for Toastmasters. Stories has a bigger role in the corporate world. And, yes. uh, Many times when I have gone and attended conferences, people fill up those slides with big graphs and a lot of information. And a person sitting in the end will not be able to read those slides. And people will come and they will keep on talking and talking and talking and talking. And then suddenly uh, people start looking here and there. And how do we, uh, especially in the corporate world, when we're talking about finance, when we're talking about industry of pesticides, when we're talking about there are a lot of industries of telecom or financing. Do you think it is possible to 
give presentations on these big conferences which are their annual sales conferences or where they have to go and present using stories yes very much so and here's where the difference is if i'm going to a workshop or to go do a what they call a breakout session or if i'm going to an event where everybody already knows stories matter they already know, oh, I want to hear Kelly, or we heard her in the keynote. Now we're coming to this workshop. Their pen is in their hand. They've, they, they're, we're ready to get to work because this moment has been pitched and promoted as we're going in deep into the weeds on this education. And there are moments where it won't, you can have a lot of data because it is understood you are now in an education, you are in a workshop. So there are places where I'm not going to use as many stories. I still use stories to teach because stories are an amazing tool to, to show somebody a concept that they can understand. But if you tell them a story, an analogy or whatever it is about something they do understand, then stories can become an amazing tool to explain a concept. But back to your question when you see somebody on the big stage at that event or at that conference in whatever way they've been tasked to get up and give that message, I often find that they're not really clear themselves onto what their purpose is in that moment. Now, if they were hired or asked to come teach everybody how to use this machine that's gonna go into this you know, cremation facility, that's different. But if your purpose is to convince somebody that they need one of these machines or that they should buy from you or that you are an expert and here's why, your purpose up there is different. You are not even at the stage of giving them all the data they need. Those scientists in the story I tell in that video, their job was to convince people to, that their product mattered. It wasn't to tell them what it was made of and how they put it together. So it often comes into what is your purpose up here? What are you, where are you trying to take this audience? What, what is your motive? What, what is the goal of this sales presentation? Uh, it, it, you know, in a sense, uh, but I do believe you can make a dry, boring topic interesting and compelling. I think, um, uh, and you can, with stories, stories can bring it, and they're not, some people say, oh, well, I told stories, I'm wasting time. I'm like, you're not, well, if the story was just about nothing, then maybe you are wasting time. But when your story illustrates the point you're making, and it teaches within the story, that was content. You know, people seem to think that the story is separate from the content. I'm like, no, your story, you could even bury the content within the story. But yes, you can have a lot of data in your presentation. What I would question you is how much can you necessarily give someone in a short amount of time that they are able to sink in and digest. If you are speaking for 35, 40, 45 minutes and you've got slides filled with information and we're not in a lecture, we're not in a classroom, that is hard for people to understand, to digest, to make sense of it, to put it in proper buckets so it has order in our brain. So sometimes that's, I think that's why they call them keynotes. It's the keynote of the conference. So fight the urge to tell them everything you know in 45 minutes. I'd rather you focus on one concept and go deeper and say, here's a resource just like I did today on this call. So when you say that, uh... In that 30 minutes or 40 minutes, when you tell your story and you know combine with some data, do you think that speakers like you and other speakers leave people asking for more so that they contact them before? Yes, yes, I, I really do. You were exactly right. Also, stories are entertaining. They're compelling, they're engaging. You know, we all start rolling our eyes when we're at a wedding or so, and somebody's just droning on about date. But when somebody tells a story, yeah, like it, it doesn't take much. It connects. We're very interested in what other people are doing. So it's engaging, compelling. It, it makes you human to your audience. Um, I believe every presentation needs story in it. Um, now, you don't have to tell 50 stories. You could even sometimes just tell one. 
you could open with a story, close with it. You don't need a ton of them and you don't need to make it so complicated. Uh, but, 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 and I often think the best place, if anywhere, for a story is right at the beginning. Have a story about, of, about an experience, why, a real life example of why this matters to you and why you're here today. Great. Thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, now my next uh, curious question is yeah. for this, all the professional speakers, and especially I'm trying to help all the upcoming speakers in India who are okay. recently joined the Professional Speakers Association of India and who have been earlier trainers or teachers, but now they want to explore their potential in this industry. I have seen in this country in the last two years, and I also have a particular story or one or two stories that I share with people when I go on stage. I see that most of the speakers have one signature story or two signature stories. And whenever I've seen they build a strong uh, foundation and the whole keynote around that story. Is it a rule of the industry or does it how it goes or uh, people, what should people should have many stories to build upon? What is your thought on that? Uh, good question. And for years, many people would have told you that was a rule. I'm a rule breaker. And I believe that for every rule you find, you're going to go find 10 speakers who didn't do that and were quite successful in a different way. Absolutely. It often can lend itself to doubt and, and anxiety because then some of us feel that our signature, we don't have one. Some of those signature stories are incredible. And they've done amazing things and won medals and climbed mountains and caught on fire and lived and cured diseases. And then you get ordinary people like me who don't have some amazing signature story and we feel like we can't do this. And I don't mean to lessen someone who does have a really big story, but I want to encourage those of you like me who don't. It's not, I do not believe everybody has to have one signature story. I don't, and I, I don't need one. Now, maybe if your whole brand is built around this journey you took in your life, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But a, a, I tell simple stories about ordinary life. And I may tell about the lady who sings in the nursing home or the woman who mopped the floors in the hospital lobby or what my son said when he was four or what it's like trying to trying to make your business, keep your business alive when they've told you you got you have to stay in your house for eight months and your entire livelihood went down the drain. I mean, every all we need to do with our stories, we are here and this is the biggest thing. At, at least for a while speakers were doing, they thought their only goal as a speaker was to get up and talk about themselves. Yeah. Our goal is to do something for the audience. Our goal is to teach, well, it depends on who's paying you and why um, and what your message is and your platform, but we're there for them. We're there to teach them something. We're there to encourage and inspire them. We're there to change their mind. We're there to uh, motivate them to think differently about their work. We've got a big challenge. So my goal isn't having the best story. My goal is using story to do that. And somebody is going to connect with something so basic and simple and so unsignature story sounding. And, and, and it's, it's totally okay. So don't go off searching for the I climbed a mountain story when you might not need one. We're having conversations with people and you get to make a lot of create, which remind me, about conversations before I, we hang up. That's one of the most important thing I want to say, especially 
uh, to Toastmasters, but we're having conversations with people and it's not, does it matter whether we told two stories or four, whether we told one at five minutes or one at 75 minutes there, you get so many beautiful creative decisions you get to make. Some will use PowerPoint, some won't. Some will do weird things like me on stage and some, some will be very understated. Some will interact more with the audience, some won't. Some will do everything it, it, through interaction with the audience. Others won't. There are many different ways that you can do this. But I will say, I like for a presentation to have a couple of really strong stories. And by strong, I don't mean how long. I mean, they are going to be the ones people, people remember your stories longer than anything anyway, or the, the, they remember the experience and story adds more to an experience than when you're reading off your PowerPoint slide. So I like to have a couple of stories that I know, and they're often, that doesn't mean that huge things happened. It just means it's a really good, strong story. And I like, I personally, my own choice, I like to have one near the beginning, one at the end, and one somewhere in the middle. And they can be differing in how, how I do it, or, you know, one may be funnier and have a silly point, but that's how I like to space them because I believe people remember the opening and closing of a conference. That's why those two positions are so heavily weighted in terms of choosing your keynotes. I also believe they remember what happens at the beginning and end of a presentation the most. And just as in comedy, they teach you, put in a, in a, a stand-up comedy set, they say, put your best joke last and put your second best joke first. So they're really paying attention to what the bookends are on this presentation. And I like something strong in the middle just so you make sure uh, that that's there. I am heavily scripted in my stories because to me, they're like uh, music, like notes to music. So I really know where each note is and how to say it and, and, and I've really scripted it, but I'll often not be as scripted in the other areas because as long as I know I can be strong in those moments, I'll be fine. So when you say, well, what's your, I don't need, what's your signature story? I'm like, huh. I don't know. Of course, my presentations change all the time. If you give a presentation the same one as some people do, nothing wrong with that. If you give a presentation pretty much the same one for 20 years, and a lot of those people who have these big stories, that's kind of what they're doing, then most easy, it's very easy to say, yes, this is my signature story. The guy who bagged groceries and taught me this or whatever. But I wouldn't get too tripped up in terminology and I wouldn't get too tripped up on people telling you how this should be. I've listened a lot to what people think I should have be, should be. I'm getting the grammar all wrong. And I think that was a mistake because I think I was too much at the mercy or at the too much worried about what people said I needed to be. And this world is big enough for us all to be who we need to be as an artist and as a speaker i think in half an hour you have said so much about storytelling today and i have learned so much my audience have learned so much in the end i would like to ask you just mentioned uh, i saw when you are on the stage you make people laugh like crazy okay and a lot of people have this challenge that we are not humorous okay i is humor is uh, like you're born humorous or it's, it is also a process? So you close with the hardest question. Good job there. Uh, but it's one I've heard before. Um, I was always funny, okay. but I didn't know how to be funny on purpose on a stage. That was quite a different skill. I'm going to give you the, well, first of all, I'm going to say we are there to create an experience for our audience. If they just needed our information, they would have bought the book. Absolutely. They are bringing us in for what we create in this time that we're here with them. And there are many choices we have to make that an experience, not a data dump. Story, of course, is one way. Humor is another. They used to tell you in the speaking business, you only had to be funny if you wanted to get paid. 
And that's a little bit unfair because here's the bad news. So, so wait, let me first finish that thought. Humor being funny does create an experience for your audience and it's a golden valuable one. The bad news is you can't become funny if you're not. You can't become something you're not. You can strengthen that muscle. But the bad news is you can't go start, turn yourself into a comedian or no matter how many books you read, it's just not really going to work. That's the bad news. The good news is, well, as I tell people, so stop trying. Don't try to be funny. Try to be fun. Wow. Try to be fun. Fun is easier than funny. We're just trying to create an atmosphere of joy and levity and laughter. Uh, I, I do study humor. I, I do study comedy. I do study how to do things that can get people laughing and we all can do them in different ways. So that can be studied and worked on. But I want you to release this burden that you have to be funny. I want you to bring your personality out. That's what I would rather you focus on because, and I'm gonna, and those of you who go, wait, don't forget to mention what you said. This is where I'm bringing it in. The, the, the biggest, I hate to say mistake, cause that's unfair, but the biggest thing that I see speakers and Toastmasters doing and people out there in the world is they, they, they are too polished. They are too perfect. They are too, and in this world we live in, connection, engagement, authenticity is, you can't be overly polished and so scripted that you're not human anymore. You're just a talking head. To me, the goal, and it's going to look different for everybody, is you're having a conversation with them and you're allowing them to get to know you a little bit. So what are your quirks? What are the things? You don't have to be funny, but don't be afraid to share some, you know, a couple of stories about your family or to get up and say, hey, let me just tell you, uh, um, I'm a addicted to Big Bang, or I'm a little bit OCD, the notebooks are all crooked, hope you don't mind, and walk down in the audience and straighten their pads. Um, I want you to figure out what your personality is, and you can play it up some, but I, and that comes with time. It doesn't happen right away, but as you speak more and get more comfortable doing it and the more practice and the more hours, you will come to a place where you feel like you again up there and you're comfortable because you know your material, because you've memorized, because you've scripted, because you've practiced, because you've put the work into it. It is not easy. It is not easy, the work we do. And anybody who thinks you can wing it and just be natural, well, good luck. Very few can do that. But once you really put the work in and you really start to get comfortable with your audience and see that they're for you, not against you, most audiences are definitely in your corner. They're so glad they're not up there. Then you start the dance. Then you can enjoy it and you share from your heart. The more your real personality can come out with your group and you can look for ways to make it more fun and more engaging and get a laugh. Maybe you've got some cute pictures up on your PowerPoint slide or, or, you know, I don't know what that is. And I'm sorry, that's such a long winded way, but release yourselves of trying to go be a humorist. Um, that's hard. Thank you so much. I think this was a lot of information and I think a lot of people are under pressure only thinking about, we can't be humorous and it is, very important, don't be funny, have fun guys. It's very, very important because be, be you on the stage so that you can have more and more fun with people because people want to listen to you. It's very important. Relax, and what's so, what's so funny to me? Mm -hmm. I used to stress and stress, and what's so funny? And we get so nervous getting up there. What are we gonna say and will we look stupid? Yet an hour ago, none of us had a problem unless you're an extreme introvert and, you, and people just, you don't even like talking to people. None of us had problem at the food line 30 minutes ago. We don't have problems sitting at a table, having a meal, even with strangers and chatting and making conversation. It really is a mental thing. It's to kind of, it's, it's more of a relaxed, a place you go in your head to just have a conversation with somebody. When I finally realized, why am I worried, so worried about looking stupid up here? They already figured out in the parking lot how stupid I am. <laughs>
and I didn't worry about it then. So, uh, you know, I don't, you'll, you'll start to really have fun with it and um, yeah. And, and love what you do and enjoy it. I mean, I think I've found Deepak as you probably have too. Most of us as speakers, there's a lot of other things we could have done and maybe even made more money at it. And this is hard but we do it because we, we love it. And if you don't love it, don't do it. Do something else. Absolutely. You are bang on. I think uh, I'm, I'm so blessed that I have moved to this country and I'm meeting people like you and people in my uh, Houston chapter. They are wonderful. It's the fastest way we can make connections when we're from different countries different cultures. There are always going to be people who we look at each other and go, wow, we probably don't have a lot in common. Till you talk about your child or till you, uh, uh, I used to walk around the room when, when we were talking about these things and I'd, I'd pull somebody up who was from another country and I go, wow, we don't seem like we have anything in common, do we? And then I say, hey, you married? He was like, yeah. It's like, how long you been married? 45 years. Wow, that's a long time. What have you learned about marriage? And he's like, she's always right. And we all <laughs> laughed. We all laughed because suddenly there was a connection. And I went, see, we're not so different after all. When you take a, a moment to step into somebody's story. Yeah, just one of an example of how to have fun, not to be funny. <laughs> Yes. So you have an advantage. We, you've got a lot of stories we'd love to know about because we're always interested in people who didn't, who don't come from where we are and what that was like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelly. I think uh, if I keep on talking, we will keep on talking all night. And we have already had a discussion for 45 minutes. But before you go, I would just like to tell you, tell my audience, what is new you're doing. I know I have seen this pride of hollows on your website and you're, I know that you're doing something crazy, something new in coming days. Would you like to it is, share before you, before we say you buy? Um, yes. And probably the best thing since everybody listening is now understands that I tend to ramble and go on. Um, I'm doing, I'm calling it an online show. It's storytelling. It's going to be on YouTube. And the best thing I can say is go to prideshollow.com and prides meaning P-R-I-D-E-S hollow, H-O-L-L-O-W.com. When I was a beginning storyteller, I created a whole town and all these characters who live there. And I buried all their stories because I thought the speaking business wasn't the place for it. And because of COVID, I'm realizing time is fleeting. And at, at what might be the worst time to do something that doesn't make sense, I'm choosing to bring these characters back. So go to prideshollow.com. That's just my YouTube channel. So you can watch the videos of it doesn't make sense, but I'm just so excited. I can't stand it. And all the episodes are free. So it's, I, and I would love anybody who just likes a good story that makes you feel good. And uh, there's a lot more to it, but I'll leave that to you. But thanks for asking. That's my new that's my new project. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on this show called Converse with Deepak. I'm sure the audience is going to get a lot of information, whether it's Toastmaster or speakers, they are going to take advantage of your storytelling formula and curate and craft and deliver beautiful stories which will impact the world in coming days. Thank you so much. You are most welcome. Thanks for having me. And bye, everybody. I guess I'll see y'all online. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, friends, for listening to our show, Your Story, Your Glory, with Kathy Swenson. And don't forget to come back next week to listen to another achiever and speaker to share their story with you. Till then, take care. Bye-bye.